Romans chapter 5, on page uh, 1135, your church Bibles. On your way in, you would have received two handouts. One of them looks like that, and on the inside, there is an outline of where we're going, which will help you follow and prayers we begin. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Son, our Saviour, the Lord Jesus. We thank you that he is the risen one, that he rules over all. We thank you that he is the Lord, the God of all. We thank you that um, he has saved us uh, in the midst of our helplessness and our hopelessness. Uh, you gave him to die for us. And we thank you that uh, through him we have forgiveness and life. Father, we pray now that as we look at these words in your scriptures uh, that tell us of him, we pray that your Holy Spirit would be working among us, that you would be pointing us to him and filling our hearts uh, with your love. And so we pray that you be, that you'll be doing your work uh, by your word and spirit uh, this morning. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I uh, read a story once about a little boy whose sister was very ill. Uh, The doctors needed blood to give her a transfusion and for some reason to do with the nature of her illness and a specific blood type, her body, her brother, was the only readily acceptable donor. The doctors and the parents approached the issues carefully, explained things to the little boy, and asked if he, if he would be willing to donate blood to save his sister's life. The boy hesitated, lower lips started to tremble, thought for a few moments, and he said, it'll be okay. Soon he was lying quietly on the couch of the hospital with a needle in his arm, plastic bag filling with blood. And after a little while, his brave little voice says, Mum, when do I die? See, he thought that he was giving up his life to save his sister. And he loved her enough to die for. Now, having told you the story, I don't know the extent to which it is true. Uh, it may be one of those urban myths, you know, that, that get, get uh, passed around. But I do know another story about love and death that certainly is true. Because the passage of the Bible we're looking at today speaks of a love that is expressed in death. It's a love that God the Holy Spirit pours into our hearts For the Holy Spirit points us to that love which God shows us in the death of Jesus. And the love that he has shown us there, and he continues to show us there, is the greatest love that ever there was. A love that's expressed in the ultimate sacrifice. A love that is extended to people who don't deserve it. People like you and me. 
Have a look with me at verses 6 to 8 of Romans chapter 5. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, you know, well, there are actually people who die for each other. It doesn't happen every day, but it does happen. But they've got to believe that, or at least hope, that these people are worth dying for. Anyone know who this person is? Can you see? Who's that? Mother Teresa. Now, if Mother Teresa was 20 years old, and you knew she had a lifetime of incredible service ahead of her, would you die for her? Maybe you would, maybe you wouldn't. Alright, what about this person? Anyone know that person? Anyone recognize this guy? Who's he? Who? Madoff, that's right. Bernard Madoff. Okay. Former NASDAQ chairman. Uh, perpetrated the Ponzi scheme that cheated people out of billions of dollars. Would you give your life for him? Doubt it, huh? Look at verse 7 again. One will scarcely die for a righteous person. Oh, perhaps for a good person. One would dare even to die. You're not going to die for Bernie Madoff, Mother Teresa. Now, let me tell you something. Before Christ's death applied to us, God saw us the way people, more like the way people generally see Bernie Madoff than the way people generally see Mother Teresa. You see, we might compare ourselves to each other, think we're pretty okay. But before God, actually, our deeds are pretty abominable. We're not like of some great noble character of great worth to his universe. Certainly not his cute little sister like in the story. The end of verse 6 tells us that we were ungodly. That is, we're not morally like God at all. We're like him in heart or in our behavior. Instead of loving others, we mistreated them, failed to give them the respect and honor they deserve as human beings, and instead use them for our own ends. And instead of loving God, we mistreated Him, failing to give Him the worship and honor that He deserves as God, failing to give Him the obedience that He deserves as God, and instead either ignored Him or tried to use Him. And you know, that is, that's terrible. We were ungodly. That is how the Bible describes us. The end of verse 8, well, two-thirds of the way through verse 8, we are also called sinners. People who have failed to, to reach the mark, have failed to live up to God's standards. Truth be known, we've actually even failed to live up to our own, haven't we? We are people who have, who have rebelled against our Creator. Who said to God, no, I'll, do it, I'll do it my way. Together with Frank Sinatra. I will live the way I want to live. 
all the way other people tell me to do, all the way my religion tells me. I don't want to live the way that you tell me. I don't want you to rule my life. And again, truth be known, we've all done that, haven't we? Every time I do something that's wrong, what am I actually saying? I'm actually saying, I'm boss, not God. And we've all done things that are wrong. Okay? If you say you haven't lied, then you're lying and you have. We insult God. Every time we sin, we are saying, you're not God, I'm God. And God is so holy, he's so good, he's so perfect, he's so glorious, he's so great, that to treat him in that way, that is the, that is the worst thing we could do. We are made, we are created. The whole purpose of us is to glorify God, and that is right, because he deserves it. That's the, that's the only right thing to do. But we've ruined the universe that he made with our rebellion. We harm other people whom he loves. And God takes all that personally. Sin has its punishment. It is death. Death under the judgment of God in a state forsaken by God. Because if we're saying no to a right relationship with God on his terms, it's, it's only right that he say no to us. We are sinners. The third way this passage describes us is in verse 6 again, that we were still weak. Weak. That is, we couldn't, we were powerless, we were helpless, we couldn't get out of our problem. See, we've got this sin problem and we couldn't, we couldn't escape it. We were too weak to. We are sinners and we can't stop ourselves. You don't believe me, try it one day. Try to be completely truthful and honest, completely pure in your thinking, Try never to be selfish. Try to love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. You try and do that for a week. I can't do it for a day. But even if we could stop ourselves from sinning, from tomorrow onwards, how are we going to get rid of our past? There's no point Bernie Madoff going up to the judge and saying, oh, I'm never going to cheat anyone again, so please don't send me to jail. So we've got to pay for what he's done in the past, isn't he? So do we. See, the picture that this part of the Bible paints of a state of our lives before the death of Jesus applied to us is it's not pretty. That is you and me. That is both Mother Teresa and Bernie Madoff. We're all ungodly. We're all sinners. Heading for death under the judgment of God. Heading to, to hell for eternity. And we were too weak to do anything about it. But listen again to verse 6 to 8 of what it says here in the Bible. For while we were still weak, the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, that is love, isn't it? 
should have been us on the cross. We were the one who were sinners. We were the ones who were ungodly. We were. Christ died for us. Jesus Christ, God made human, shows the love of God to ungodly sinners who deserves God's punishment by dying on our behalf. He took our sin, our guilt, our punishment, our death, our curse, our hell, as he hung on the cross for us. He took our place. We should have been the ones under the wrath of God. But in the death of Jesus, God took his own wrath and turned it inwards. He substituted himself for us. He didn't do it because we were good. We weren't. He didn't do it because we were strong. We were weak. He didn't do it because we were worthy. We were pathetic sinners. He did it simply because he loved us. He did it because he loved us. God shows his love for us in that. Why does he love us? I don't know. I cannot imagine why an infinite, powerful, holy God like him should should love a poor, helpless sinner like me. But I know it's because of the kind of person that he is not the kind of person that I am how do I know God loves me? I know God loves me because Jesus died for me that is the way to know that is the the most strongest and clearest way to know don't try and say oh can I feel it from my experience can I, can I if things are going well then God loves me if things are going badly he doesn't no 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 Know that God loves you because Jesus died for you. If someone did that for me, knowing all about me, knowing what a helpless, ungodly sinner that I am, knowing full well that I am unworthy of such a sacrifice, then he must really love me indeed. God shows his love for us. In that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. All of Jesus' death is that those who trust in him have been put into a right standing with God. We see that in verses 9. Before we look at it, let me, let me clarify that the words we and us in this passage actually it refers to those whose faith is in Jesus. And here, here's what happened to those who trust Jesus. Verse 9 and 10. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more now that we have been reconciled shall we be saved by his life. Now, within that two sentences, there's some things in the past that, effect, that impact things in the future. What are the things in the past? There are two pictures here that show us what has already happened in the past. Right? 
These are all things, for those of you who have been here for a few weeks, these are all things, we're just picking up all the different things that have come through uh, Romans chapter 1 to 5. You'll notice it's like, it's like a summary of everything that has happened before. Okay? For those of you who are new, we're not expecting you to understand anything that's happened before. It's all here. Okay? First picture is that of a courtroom. Right. And the word that evokes the image of courtroom is in verse 9, since therefore we have now been justified by his blood. Justified. Right. Those of you who have been here for a while, you will remember that what is justified? It means acquitted. Declared not guilty. Right. It's like you and I are defendants in this case, and we know that we're guilty, and yet when the judge passes his verdict, he says, not guilty. In fact, not even just saying not guilty, you think righteous is good. This is a, a good man, a good woman, a fine standing with a court. We are justified. Declared to be declared to be righteous. The Bible tells us in verse 9 that we have been justified by his blood. Uh, by his blood refers to his his sacrificial death. He died on the cross, he shed his blood, which is fulfillment of all the things in the Old Testament, the sacrifices when his blood was shed to forgive sins. Sacrificial death. And his sacrificial death is what brings about our justification. Declared not guilty because Jesus has died on our behalf. And so at the cross of Jesus, all our sins are paid for. All our punishment has been met. All our guilt has been taken away. Jesus has taken our sins on himself. And in return, he gives us his righteousness. He gives us a right standing before God the judge because of him. And so those who belong to Jesus, those who have been united with him by faith, we have heard the verdict from God the judge. God says, not guilty. He says, righteous. Because of the blood, the sacrificial death of Jesus. That means if God has already said not guilty, well that's, that's it, isn't it? He's the final judge. He's the final arbiter. He's no higher court to appeal to. That's him. Not guilty means not guilty. It's gone. And that means for us, as we live now, if God has pronounced us not guilty, then we don't have to wallow in guilt anymore either, do we? If our sin has been forgiven, our sin has been punished already on the cross, God's not going to punish us again. And we don't need to punish ourselves either. Those who trust in Jesus have been justified. The second picture about what's happened in the past comes from the world of personal relationships. And the third word there is in verse 10, reconciled. Reconciliation. Reconciled means to bring together, make peace between, between two parties. Right, and verse 10 says that if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. And then it goes on. Hey friends, when by being ungodly sinners, we made ourselves God's enemies, didn't we? Put ourselves on the wrong side of God. We were in opposition to his rule. We were estranged from him, alienated from him. We didn't have peace with him. We were at war with him. Our relationship soured, broken down. 
because of sin. It was our fault. And so we were his enemies. If we were thought we were his friends, and we actually were deluding ourselves, we're on the wrong side. Have I had an enemy? Some, some people have enemies. It's not very pleasant, is it? Actually, some people like having enemies. Um, but most of us don't. Have you ever falling out with someone that becomes so severe that you kind of like, you know, you've got foes? See, it's, it's possible to be an enemy of God. And it's really stupid because, you know, it's you versus God, guess who wins? Right? But it's possible. In fact, millions of people live their lives each day as enemies of God. We make ourselves God's enemies by rebelling against him, by joining the revolt. The Bible says, we were God's enemies, but we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. See, the death of Jesus changes God's enemies into his friends. brings reconciliation between us and God. The sin that is so offensive to God has been dealt with. It's removed from us, transferred to Jesus, and he paid for it. And so God is not angry with us anymore. Let me say it again. If we've been reconciled to God through Jesus, then God is not angry with us anymore. We are no longer God's enemies. We have been reconciled through the death of Jesus. Or in the words we used last week, we have peace with God through Jesus Christ. The cross has dealt with our sin. The cross has dealt with God's anger. So those who belong to God have been justified and we have been reconciled. Okay, so what have we seen so far? We've seen that God's love for us led Christ to die for us. God loved his enemies, us. And we've seen the result of that death means that now we have been justified, we've been declared not guilty, and we have been reconciled to God, all in the past. But, because of that, there is implications for the future. What is the future? Well, we were warned at the beginning, of, back early on in the book of Romans, that the wrath of God was coming because of human wickedness. We're also told the time will come when God will judge the world with perfect justice through Jesus Christ. The time when everything's going to be put right. All sin is dealt with. And God's rightful, measured, just anger, not like human anger, which is kind of like, you know, unmeasured and lashes out and selfish. And I don't know, This is God's rightful, measured, just anger against sin and sinners is unleashed. When sin is punished, rebellion is put down, and justice is done and seen to be done. Jesus died so that we will be safe on that day when God unleashes his just anger. So that on the day of judgment, we will not be punished. Think about the law courts again. In a law court, if we've been justified, if the judge says not guilty, then we wouldn't have to pay the fine, or go to prison, or be executed, or whatever else. When the, or you don't get rotan, or, you know, depending on what you did, or where you are. Um, when the time comes for, for, for meeting our punishment, will we? Right? Why? 
because we've already been declared not guilty. Don't do that. And so in verse 9, it's what it says, Now that we have been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. We've already been declared righteous. Already been declared, so we shall be sure that when God's wrath comes, when the day comes for punishment, when Jesus Christ judged the world, we won't be in trouble. We will be saved from God's wrath. God's wrath will still come, but those who have been justified will be safe from it. We can be sure of that, of salvation at the end, because of justification now. Furthermore, verse 10 tells us that if we were enemies, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more now that we have been reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. You see, the risen, living Jesus is actually the one who is the judge in the last day. We have been reconciled to him. Do you think for one moment that the risen Jesus who died on the cross, who paid so dearly, to bring us reconciliation, to change us from enemies into friends, he's going to let his death go to waste. Of course not. If by his death he changed us from being God's enemies into God's friends, then, then brothers and sisters, by his life, he will make sure that we are saved at the end. That we will escape God's wrath at the end. So if we trust in Jesus, if we are justified and reconciled to God now, then the last day brings nothing to fear. We can be sure that we will be safe. So friends, we've seen today that the death of Jesus shows us God's love. His love is so amazing that he's willing to make the ultimate sacrifice for us, even though we were sinners and facing his wrath. We've seen that Jesus' death puts us right with God. For those who believe in him, his death justifies us before God the judge. For those who believe in him, his death has brought us reconciliation with God, which we could never have done ourselves. And because of that, we will be safe on that last day when God unleashes his just judgment. The death and resurrection of Jesus guarantees that for us, where otherwise we would have no hope. So let me end this morning by asking you a question. Very simple question. It's a very important one. Does Jesus' death apply to you? Have you been justified? Have you been reconciled? Will you be saved when Jesus comes back on the last day? Do you know the love of God that's expressed for you on the cross? Many of you here will joyfully say yes. You will say, I have been justified. I know I've been reconciled. I know I'll be safe from God's wrath when he comes to judge the world. I know that Jesus died for me and he will save me. I know that God loves me because of Jesus. So I know where I'm heading when I die. I know what will happen at the end and I'm thankful for that. But there are some people here who might not be in that situation yet. Maybe you've heard this message about Jesus and you don't know if it really applies to you. You want it to. 
You want to be justified in God's law court? You want to be reconciled to God and be at peace with Him? Well, just a few lines earlier, actually, in the beginning of Romans 5, there's a, a, a verse that says this. We are justified by faith. And if we've been justified by faith, then we have peace with God. Justification is by faith. That is by trusting in Jesus. Trusting in His death, nothing else, to put us in good standing with God. We must trust Him. And we must believe in Him. We must believe that, that He is the risen one. And because He is the risen one, He is the Lord. He is the ruler. And so a bit later on in Romans chapter 10, we read that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, then you will be saved. If you believe and confess, Jesus really is the Lord who deserves the glory and honor, the one to whom we must submit our lives, the one who has died to save us. Well, if you're someone who's been thinking about these things and you want to discuss them further, then please do let me know, okay? Uh, we've got some blue cards floating around. I'll tell you about them later, but you can put your name on a blue card and ask for someone to contact you. love to do that. But if you're someone who's, you know, God's Spirit's been working in your heart to draw you to Christ this morning, you want to talk to God about it, then, then why don't we give you some time after this to do that? Ask God to enable you to trust in Jesus as your Savior. Submit to Him as your King. And do that in your own words. Um, at the bottom of the outline, there's a prayer that you can use uh, if you want to use someone else's words. It's going to come up on the screen as well. Uh, just take a few minutes to... To, uh, okay, the next slide. That's it, thanks. Um, uh, to think about it, uh, let me just, I'll just read it to you since, since we're here. It says, Dear Heavenly Father, I've sinned against you, I admit I've sinned against you, deserve your punishment. Confess I've made myself your enemy by my behavior. Thank you that you loved me anyway, sent Jesus and died for me. Thank you that he took my sins on the cross and offers me his righteousness. By your Spirit, please enable me to trust Him as my Savior who died for me. By your Spirit, please enable me to trust Him as my risen Lord who rules my life. And we pray in His name. So, have a think about that. If that's something you want to pray to God, give you some time, reflect and do that. Something you want to find out more about, put a blue card uh, and let us know. Uh, most important thing, it's not, it's not magic words in it. You say that and kind of like, you know, I don't know. It's where you put your trust. Right, it's where you put your trust. Am I trusting in Jesus? And do I believe that God raised him from the dead? Let's take a few moments to consider our lives now.